Hello, everybody. Welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup. It is May 7th, 2022. Tonight, we will be talking about Embracer Group picking up a whole bunch of studios from Square Enix West and what that means for Square Enix going forward. We'll also be talking about Xbox Cloud Gaming Stream Stick could be on its way very soon. And, of course, we'll also be talking about the mention from Reggie Fiamme in his recent memoir talking about how Nintendo of America was forced to launch the Game Boy Micro. That and more, of course, here on the NPC's Weekly News Roundup. We're going to roll our intro and get things started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup for the week of November 20th, 2020. It is Friday. It is, uh, where's my date? It's September 18th, 2020. Here's our first story, and this is actually breaking news for all of us right now here, too. Figured this is a, kind of a big one to cover, of course, with who it is. Joined via Discord by Kyle because we're in the midst of a pandemic still, and of course, everything is all kinds of crazy. So this thing is a chocker. I mean, yeah, it's a beast. It's huge. Doing a um, that we had the Resident Evil stuff that they were successful with Castlevania. Welcome to another NPC's weekly news roundup, and it's the news time. I am joined, of course, by Kyle via Discord. Kyle, hello. What's up, man? And there we are. We are live. We are up. We are running. It is time, everyone, again, for the Weekly News Roundup here with your favorite people, the NPCs. Of course, I am Travis. Kyle is over that way. Kyle, what's up, man? What's up? Well, apparently a lot, especially uh, it's very interesting. Um, it's going to be our second story here in the list. It probably should have been the first, but that's okay. Um uh, but the second story here in our list is actually an ongoing problem that's still happening right now. So I'm going to actually jump us uh, ahead to that story first here instead. And we'll come back to the Embracer Group one. Uh, Xbox outages are keeping players from playing games and streaming content. So this is something that I had actually shared with you yesterday. This is mm -hmm. still an ongoing issue with Xbox right now. Uh, it looks like it's been intermittent since the original issue first occurred yesterday. Uh, so yesterday, of course, being Friday. And um, apparently this kicked off again at 2 p.m. our time, local time for us uh, today, th that this happened all over again. And right. the thing they're putting out there, their, their tweet from this afternoon says, we're aware that some users are unable to purchase and launch games or start cloud gaming sessions. Our teams are investigating. Please keep an eye here and on our status page for updates. So on the status page for Xbox right now, let's see how things are looking. It's just, it's interesting. Yeah, they've still got limited uh, status on store and subscriptions, cloud gaming and remote play, and then even just games and gaming in general. Uh, yeah, I, I actually yeah. Uh, checked this uh, just before dinner, and I wasn't able to start uh, anything. I was trying to start Trek to Yomi first. Wow. Okay. Uh, I even started a game that I own, and it, it kicked off into the main uh, boot screen, and it gave me a weird message about my offline settings and stuff. Hmm, very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I was seeing the, like, you know, like yesterday, we launched, like, I think we played a little bit of Halo Infinite yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when we played Halo Infinite yesterday, we didn't have any of the issues with actually getting in and playing anything. So whatever they did must have been some type of Band-Aid, because this isn't just Xbox-specific. It's across all the stuff. It's Xbox on Windows. It's Xbox One. Right. Xbox Series S and X. It's the cloud streaming. It's, it's Game Pass stuff. Basically, their core systems have just been suffering since yesterday. Um, I mean, out of all of it though, Kyle, like, what do you, like, what do you think about that for these multi, I guess a multi-day intermittent outage with the fundamentals of what Xbox is? I mean, that, that's pretty scary. I, going back, what was it over 10 years ago now when, uh, weird stuff started to happen with PlayStation network and all of a sudden they went down for, what was it? A month or something? Well, it wasn't a month. It was a no, they, few weeks. But They were down for, yeah, an extended period of time. Yeah, but they, they even gave away games and then tried to hide the fact that, you know, players' accounts were hacked. So I, I hope nothing like that's going on uh, on Xbox's side. And if there is, they'd be either. very forthcoming about, you know, users needing to change their password and whatnot. Yeah, and I haven't seen anything like that. Um, I haven't seen anything come up like uh, password resets uh, or, or anything of the note, like emails that would be right. concerning enough to have to jump into action. 
as it stands right now, it just looks like something core service wise is just not working properly. And I mean, I'm not aware of any big updates that have come out for like the Xbox platform itself in the last week or so. Are you? Yeah, I'm not aware of anything either. It, it, it's almost like someone was walking through one of the uh, server rooms in one of their buildings and kicked something and unplugged it and didn't know where, when or where it happened. Someone tripped over something is what happened. It was just yeah. a power cable that was spread across the uh, data center floor and just, oops. Or it was, uh, oops. was it uh, Johnny from Airplane? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, so yeah, this is an ongoing outage, of course. Um, uh, the poly- uh, Polygon here is reporting saying that um, you're still able to play some games offline if you actually have them on your console, um, as long as that Xbox is your home console. And some people are even saying, and this even includes Xbox support, that sometimes rebooting your console might help. So there's something there's something stuck potentially in in the underlying code of the Xbox, some sort of underlying function, driver, process, whatever, that is holding this up. So a reboot is a very interesting thing to go and say, hey, go and do. But maybe that reboot is clearing up or, or releasing whatever the problem thing is. It's just funny. Just turn it off and on again. That's all. So, yeah, at least as it I'm an IT fix. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh as of right now, I know the issue yesterday was affecting Xbox on Windows, but it looks like so far these status uh, updates are showing there are no issues on the PC side right now. It is specifically consoles, cloud gaming, backward compatibility. They even have Xbox 360 listed on here, too. So I guess you got that. See, I don't know, because when, like I said, when I when I tried earlier this evening before I had dinner... Uh, it was wigging out pretty weird on me, saying that I had to change my offline settings and that, I, or I had to go online, and I was clearly online. So, <laughs> pretty weird. Oh yeah, you're telling me. So that is kind of so, funny though that that ends up being yeah. the case. Um, but I mean, at least you know it's it's limited right now compared to what it was yesterday when they were suffering hard with whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's even more interesting about this than we can carry on to the rest of the news we have is that it's also affecting streaming services too. So if you use your Xbox for Netflix, Disney plus Hulu, um, any sort of content like that, it won't work. You won't be able to bring up any of those applications to use. So it's not just limited to games, but it's, if your consoles, you're all in one system to enjoy content on both gaming and just regular media, you're kind of in a weird spot right now. So I guess just kick over to your phone and and do something on there. But anyway, in the meantime, of course, we've got more stuff to talk about outside of X. Actually, I take that back. There's a lot of Xbox news on our list tonight. Uh, But let's talk about the big thing from this week is Embracer Group uh, buying Crystal Dynamics, uh, EDOS Montreal, and a whole bunch of IPs, including Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief, Legacy of Cain, and a bunch of back catalog games from Square Enix, uh, their Western dev, uh, or Western division, for $300 million. Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, not the not the biggest deal that we've seen go down, obviously, but to, to hear oh, some yeah, of those, not... uh, some of those titles um, uttered again, mm-hmm. like Legacy of Kane or Deus Ex, um thief i i was kind of burned on the last title but if they if they could return to form from from the you know first two games um yeah i i, w- I would play another thief game um but embracers also one of those uh one of those companies that kind of uh pushes developers to uh do basically reskins of games mhm so, well, I, I don't know. I think we're more of just the uh, we're more of the craziness is actually at with Embracer Group is how many things they've absorbed in the last couple years. No kidding, I they're mean, like one of the largest. I mean, it, it's yeah. They, I think they actually, uh, 
I think they actually tower over like Tencent, for example. Yeah. Like, I wonder if there's actually a listing of the... Well, and uh, keep in mind, Tencent, uh, a lot of the companies that they have uh, or that they own, they only own a, a, a portion of. Uh-huh. Whereas Embracer is uh, purchasing outright developers. Yeah, like they've got, like, I mean, they've got Gearbox. They've got uh, right. Saber Interactive here. They've got THQ Nordic. Deep um, Silver. Deep Silver being, oh my gosh, yeah. Um, oh, let's see what else here is actually sticking out that just looks right. Uh, yeah, I was trying to find an up-to-date picture the other day they, that kind of had like a, a diagram of you know, everything that they actually own under their umbrella, and it, it's hard to find an actual up-to-date uh, picture that you know with all the companies listed or w- without just finding a uh, a word document basically typed up. Oh yeah, that that that's a list because it it keeps growing so fast. It does. I mean, at least according to Wikipedia here right now, they own Coffee Stain Holding, also, which uh, their subgroup Coffee Stain Studios are the ones who made Goat Simulator and Satisfactory. Ghost Ship Games mm-hmm. is another sub one there who made Deep Rock Galactic. Uh, we've got Deca Games in here as well. Um, try and actually see if I can find a list of some of their stuff. One of the interesting ones I see is they actually own Dark Horse Comics too. That's wow. an interesting one I didn't actually expect, but um, no, Deep Silver being one of them is really just... It, Maybe it, I'm more an, of an Embracer fanboy than I am a uh, Devolver fanboy. Holy cow. Well, okay, it's more... Well, they're just like absorbing all these franchises that, that I totally well, love. That's why, you know? that's why it's like, no, I wouldn't say you're a fanboy of them because these studios have existed for years right. and years well before Embracer Group ever came around and started acquiring all the different studios. Mm-hmm. So you're a fanboy of the, the sub-studios, not of Embracer Group, because Embracer just keeps buying up everybody. We don't really know what their true... Right. And, oh shit, there goes my phone. Uh, what their uh, endgame is actually going to be. So Well, that, and I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I hope when, you know, they make mention of games like Deus Ex, Thief, Legacy of Cain... It it's not just that they're buying a license to sit on it. Mm-hmm. That maybe we could even see, you know, a remastered version, even if it had, like I said, same controls, even if they're the same crappy controls as they were before, just reskinned with better graphics and and more more modernized shaders and whatnot. Hmm. Maybe give us some RTX. You well, know, I mean, well, I mean, there's a, the other part here too. Like, um, I mean, they only just picked them up. But uh, Crystal Dynamics did say they are making the next Tomb Raider game using Unreal 5, and they only announced that a month ago, too. Right. So you've got to really put it out there that you are going to see stuff like that with the advancements in technology, too, without having to, say, develop a whole new engine to be able to support RTX. Unreal Engine 5 already supports that. So just by moving over into it, you might get that. I had heard there was information that an insider... uh, uh, from Embracer Group had stated that a, a major reason for the deal was because of the the Marvel uh, franchise uh, that they they had. You know, they they were able to continue on with potentially another Avengers game, potentially another Guardians game. Yeah, because Guardians was like wildly successful, right? In the sense that it, was- but it was viewed as unsuccessful by square enix as far as sales go because it didn't necessarily sell as well in their eastern audience well here's what i find funny and this is the this is the most hilarious thing ever because i didn't have the story in the list tonight at all but Mm -hmm. i thought this was a funny part though here is that um, in a press release, this is an article from Video Games Chronicle talking about it. In a press release, Square Enix said the deal enables the launch of new businesses by moving forward with investments in fields including, and I have to just roll my eyes at this anyway because I usually do, uh, including blockchain, AI, and the cloud. So Square Enix is putting more emphasis on NFT stuff. And one of the articles that was also out there today that I happened to see on Video Games Chronicle, uh, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, the NFT market has really, like, not necessarily, like, crashed or bottomed out or anything, but it's, mm. like, it does not have the same engagement that it did, you know, like, just several months ago. 
And it's like, here, Square Enix is going to take $300 million to invest in something that we're really seeing has just been a fad. You know, it's, it's sure, invest in blockchain, AI, the cloud, invest in NFTs if you want. But holy cow. I mean, if that's what you're seeing in the rest of the market and you just decide to go ahead and sign on and sell this stuff, you know, okay, maybe instead you change your focus and hold on to that $300 million until, I don't know, something else changes. But that's Square Enix. They can do what they want. Right. And see, I I had heard um, also on another uh, news outlet that on Jeff, there there was a uh, transcription of one of Jeff Grubb's podcasts that in an interview with another gentleman that he uh, had said that that uh, basically cutting out their their Western franchises was a way to tailor the company to for a possible purchase by uh, Sony. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, well, I mean, there is that as well because there there right. was rumor of a major Sony purchase that we still haven't heard wind of yet. I mean, Sony's made some pretty big purchases, oh, but yeah. nothing that's like blown our minds as of yet. No, there's the there's the acquisition deal with Bungie. That was announced after the Activision Blizzard I mean, Microsoft announcement. That's pretty but. big, but in the scope of things, what all does Bungie really have to offer anymore since they got rid of the Halo franchise? Oh, no, no, no. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think the only one, though, yeah. that's really been in the rumor mill about a potential acquisition by Sony has been from software. And if they, right. can, if they can do it, you know, hey, cool, that would definitely be kind of an interesting hit, but... A lot but, of those games and a lot of that relationship goes back. Isn't it ironic that that's also another Eastern studio that that's, you know, Square Enix is wanting to tailor themselves back down to be a pretty much Eastern studio. They want their their um, the, the games that they produce for their Eastern audiences, primarily mm-hmm. um, your JRPGs, uh, so oh, on yeah. and so forth. Those two. Yeah. And because we've even seen the way that um, Sony, you know, where PlayStation consoles have always, uh, you know, come out on top, you know, at at least Mm -hmm. in the battle between Microsoft and Sony when it comes to console sales, is that the PlayStation has come out on top all the time. But it's even been seen, though, that uh, um, that Sony and their ambitions for first-party titles has really pushed a lot of things off to the wayside. So you don't see mm-hmm. a lot of this active third-party or, or second-party development that would actively help them. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's why there's a lot of that. Because Square Enix really was... I know they released stuff on Nintendo, but they got a lot more people involved, especially when it came to their Final Fantasy releases on PlayStation. So mm-hmm. by going back to their roots at least by focusing on their east uh their east offices where they're they're headquartered at it right. might be one of those things to help kind of revitalize that first party or even third party japanese market see and i i think that's that's what their general general idea is but i also think it's ironic on the other side of the coin that sony seems to be tailoring themselves to be more expansive to the western audience so it it kind of a double-edged sword oh yeah oh yeah because not everything that releases in the united states makes its way over to japan and vice versa right so there are a lot of games that people do look out for that like here in the states especially that come out in japan especially like you said jrpgs um your standard rpgs there are even some goofy wacky games too especially with a lot of rhythm games in japan that you Mm -hmm. can't get here too that people love so no kidding that could be another thing, though, that might potentially put more of a divide in there, especially as a lot of consoles are still region locked and won't allow you to play games from outside where you actually purchase the console at. So right. that that puts you in a, in a very interesting situation. And whether or not that's what Square Enix plans on doing outside of their announcement of the blockchain, the AI, um, and... Uh, whatever else they're going to be doing, especially if it involves NFT stuff. It's really kind of uncertain, at least in our eyes right now, about what they could potentially be focusing on next. Who knows what they're going to evolve into, though? But I'm not really sure what to 
take away from all of it other than I'm just rolling my eyes at stupid NFT stuff again. I swear. I'm so tired of no it. No kidding. I'm so tired of it. Anyway, so as we move on from NFT stuff, of course, dealing with at least what uh, Square Enix is doing post-Embracer Group stuff, we're going to move on. You're talking about this. Uh, Xbox Cloud Streaming Stick apparently is on its way. Uh, so we talked about this actually in a news roundup uh, back in, I think, October or November uh, because it was something that uh, Xbox uh, CEO Phil Spencer or Xbox president, I can't remember exactly what title they gave him, uh, but uh, Phil Spencer had talked about the potential of Overlord some type of, of Xbox Overlord. gaming. Overlord <laughs> of Xbox Phil Spencer. Yeah. So yeah. so Phil Spencer uh, was in an interview and had talked about a Xbox streaming stick, or at least had alluded to something like that. You know, like maybe that's something they could do. Well, according to Jeff Grubb over at VentureBeat, it looks like that could very well be making its way to us here soon. Uh, according to him, in the next 12 months, Microsoft plans to release an Xbox cloud gaming streaming device. This will likely look like an Amazon Fire Stick or perhaps a small Roku-like puck. And like a Roku, the Xbox streaming device will enable you to access movie and TV services in addition to a library of games through Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. That actually is because I think we talked about it at that point in time too, is that it's a very unique way to be able to get out to your market or at least get um, your service out there to market. If people don't have um, a, a PC that they can play some of these games on, or maybe they are, you know, they don't like doing the cloud streaming gaming on their phone. They want to be able to have more of that core, console-like experience by having it plugged into their TV, they're sitting in front of it and using a controller, a la, you know, Stadia and and Luna and such, but with a already existing and well-known platform. So right. are you going to get one if it comes out, Kyle? Maybe. I mean, why not? It, the, it To be honest, I, this it, it's a good thing that uh, both uh, Roku and and Google have, you know, built-in TV stuff already because as stick services, they may oh, not yeah. continue to exist after this. I yeah, that's that's very Th- This possible. could almost make a, a a Roku stick completely obsolete. It could. It's it's one of those other things too on like what else is supported. And of course it comes down to preference as well. I mean, we could you are right we probably could see a lot of that divesting of depending on it's always you know subjective it's it's depending on the success of what this streaming stick could look like and its its capabilities are going to be because it could potentially push Roku's dedicated hardware off to the side and Roku becomes mm-hmm. more of the software based part of it like you can go to Walmart and buy a TCL TV or a Hisense TV that is running Roku software to you know, to run all the different facets of what's on your TV, whether it's your physical inputs um, or any of the streaming services that you can download through Roku's channel application. Right. So maybe that's what they could potentially change over to, but it's going to be one of those wait-and-see approaches because it's going to... Yeah, but on, I mean, on the other side, too, a lot of the smart TVs that have that that technology... They really aren't all that smart because having to put that extra processor, they they need to squeeze money out of extra bits and pieces to get cheap processors. So that's why those TVs actually run slower than a lot of like your streaming sticks do. Oh, no, trust me. I have, unfortunately, a couple of them. So I know. Yeah, I know. I, I, I have the same issues. So. Yeah. And it's <laughs> it's. It is exactly that is because it's one of those ways to just offer a service, you know, um, cheaply, you know, partner up with one right. of these already established groups, whether it is Roku or, of course, uh, Google with the uh, Android TV software, which is baked into some TCL TVs as well. Uh, right. And Vizio and, and where have you. But um, the dedicated streaming stick, though. Would you actually I mean, like, you know, there's the example here that it could be like an Amazon Fire Stick or like a Roku puck. Because we would see it, it have to be only 1080p, 60 FPS that you get out of it because it's going to be just cloud gaming. It's not going to be mm-hmm. something that you can plug a disc into, you know. But uh, 
with that, do you think that we could see them potentially make it like the Xbox One S of like uh, in regards to the technology level for um, uh, like for their streaming service, where it's like you have 1080p, 60 FPS gaming on the games that you can play because of cloud streaming, but you can do your video services, Netflix, Hulu, uh, Disney Plus, what have you, in 4K if they offer it. Yeah, I, I, I see that as totally possible. Yeah. I, I think that's realistically what they would probably be aiming for. Yeah, and I, I think I trailed off a little bit there on it, but mostly on like the physical hardware part, but would you prefer a stick or would you prefer the actual puck? Mm, probably a puck, honestly. Um, depend. I, I guess it also depends on how it hangs. Some of the, the, the pucks, they don't really... I don't know, hang all that well off the TV. They don't give you a lot of like extra distance. So I I worry about, you know, putting it too close to a wall or anything and damaging the uh, HDMI port that it's actually plugged into. Yeah. Um, streaming sticks, at least you could, if, if nothing else, you can buy an adapter to, you know, angle them down. <laughs> oh no, no, that's, that's very true because those streaming sticks are just as big as like, you know, the first USB flash drives we were seeing as kids. Right. Um, I would personally, so I don't know, almost probably a stick. I I think I'm, I'm torn between, I think I would actually probably go with the puck. And the only reason for that is because it's additional cooling. Um, it means that the processor that they use inside of it, the SOC that they use could potentially be, you know, a little bit beefier. So that way your ability to load things up and get moving through things might be at least faster. Cause, um, my sister-in-law has a fire stick and it mm-hmm. was slow to use. It was just, it was, it was, um, sluggish. It was janky. It just felt like it was a, a half finished product. Um, even with everything else, Amazon has already created. Uh, so I would be more definitely for the puck style of like, like what a Roku is or like an Apple TV or something, because what I would do with it is make sure that I have a good HDMI port that it can get to and then just double side tape and just stick it to the back of the TV. That's fair. Yeah. So yeah. And Serpent Knight here says, sounds kind of like the SD card versus memory stick thing. Well, I mean, <laughs> sure. Maybe it's, it's more of just the, In a way, the actual I guess. format of, you know, how we're actually going to be able to see something like this, but I do, I like the idea of this because this is something we had talked about previously mm-hmm. where like if a business trip or something comes up or or like say we travel across the country for a vacation, I could take the controllers with me. I could take this streaming stick with me without having to worry about bringing a laptop or, or the gaming PC or even the Xbox Series X with me. I could take that with and if the kids are done being outside, you know, wherever we're at or – um you know, maybe we can't go out and do anything. Now there's this other option for them to be able to sit back and play games. Right. You know, that, that's where I see it as kind of the, the, the bigger selling point for me is to be able to take the Xbox with me without having to rely on, say, a phone or another device like that. Um, in the meantime, though, of course, uh, it just says within the next 12 months is when this is going to drop. So whether it's maybe a holiday release, potentially, maybe we see something like here for Christmas, go buy your family a $50 Xbox stick, the X stick, the, 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 um, let's see the, no, I was about to call it the X play, but I don't think that would be allowed. Uh, let's see what else is there. Um, I don't know. Help me out with some names here for what it could be. The, the surface Xbox, um, uh, uh the uh the zune box no um the xtv x god that sounds like something out of the uh, <laughs> that sounds like it one of those tvs as bad that, as the first one the x that's the xtv sounds like one of those tvs that you would have bought like when you were a kid in the um late 90s early 2000s that was translucent uh plastic around the outside of it that you could see in but it was like a bright neon color or something, right? And it ended up being like the junkiest TV, but you could buy it for like fifty to seventy dollars, you know. But right. every kid had to have it. The XTV, you know. It's God. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll just go like everybody else with like you know their streaming service. They'll just call it the the X Plus, the Xbox Plus, or something, you know. I mean, at least it rolls off the tongue. But God, so many pluses on everything yeah. nowadays. So 
Anyway, that's... Oh my god. That's enough on that one, at least, there. Um, But here is the last bit of at least our Xbox news for right now, and I think my... I think the headline I wrote here at the on the bottom of the screen is by far the best headline ever. It says Epic says F you to Apple and Google with Fortnite on Xbox Cloud Streaming. I mean that's that's pretty right. That's pretty much right. Yeah, no, it? that that that's that's pretty dead on. Yeah, so uh on uh the fifth, which let's see, today is what, the seventh now? So Thursday. Yeah. Uh Fortnite partnered up, of course, with uh Xbox and added uh, or Epic, excuse me. Epic partnered up with Xbox to put Fortnite into the cloud gaming library, meaning that if you are someone who has been missing playing Fortnite on your mobile device, on your Google device, or your Android device, excuse me, your iOS device, now there's a way for you to do it. And it's a nice big old FU from Epic Games saying, guess what, Apple? Guess what, Google? We're back. And there's nothing you can do about this. <laughs> so uh, I... It's been added. It's there. Um, it's something you can get in and play. It's 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 basically Fortnite just as you knew it. Uh, but of course, it's um, uh, it's through the Xbox Cloud Gaming app. However, you don't have to be subscribed. This is the kicker right here, Kyle. That you don't have to be subscribed to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to play Fortnite through the cloud gaming. All you need is a Microsoft account. Um. And then you can play Fortnite with the touch controls if you're playing it on your iOS or Android device or pair up a Bluetooth controller like an Xbox Series controller. So you oh, don't wow. even need to have Game Pass Ultimate to play Fortnite through their, um, you know, through their platform like that. And that, of course, information comes from Windows Central uh, with the announcement about this. But what do you think of that? I mean, Microsoft only... I think that's hilarious. Like, Microsoft only just did away with... Um, you know, uh, only just did away with requiring Xbox Live to play these free-to-play online games. So that, you know, being one thing, allowing a game to actually be accessible without having to pay for Game Pass Ultimate, uh, that's a big mm-hmm. step forward. But at the same time, yeah, really sticking it to, to Google and to Apple saying, here you go, we're going to let these people play it through our platform. And, and Epic's like, ha nothing you can do about it. Take that, Apple. Take that, Google. Well, and it kind of makes me wonder, you know, doesn't Epic have this, like, massive partnership with Sony still? You know, that's actually an interesting thing. I I hadn't thought about so, that. I, I don't, don't know. know if they still really do, but, um, I mean, if they do... Kind of makes me wonder, though, is hmm. even if they do, maybe it's, you know, Xbox trying to extend it at Olive Branch and, and say, you know... It wasn't right, so we're gonna help them out regardless. I Who don't know. I don't know. I I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I think this was definitely yeah. just more general business. But what I'm but what I'm more curious about, especially is like you were saying there, is about the Sony stuff too, because maybe mm-hmm. the problem is that uh maybe the problem is that Epic really wanted to get Fortnite out there again. And they looked at their partnership with Sony, and of course we know we've got the new uh, PS uh, Plus premium uh, changes coming out here soon. Mm-hmm. But there isn't really the best option to do streaming like content through, or at least game streaming, through PlayStation right now. Because PlayStation now seems to be games that are made just for PlayStation, not necessarily games that are uh, multi-platform or cross-platform. Well, and another thing, I guess it, it it could have just been a thing that they looked at it and said, this doesn't affect our contract with Sony whatsoever, so let, let's go ahead and, you know, put Fortnite on Game Pass so we can have it on, on mobile devices again. Yeah, and it is specifically, as far as I see her, uh, dedicated just to cloud gaming right now. It's not available right. as a regular thing for downloading via Game Pass because it's already out there as a free to play game on the mm-hmm. uh, games on the, the Xbox game store. You can download it there. We can go on to the Epic games launcher here on our computers and download it too. Um, it, it's not like it's hard to get to. It's just that mobile aspect of it. So maybe that's where they found the delineation was that it's like, okay, we don't really need to put it anywhere else, but we're going to at least roll it into this to round out our platforms offerings. Right. So that's just, that's just 
interesting for them to do, but it's just the funniest FU out there that they could ever do. I mean, it's just great. So Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Stick it to the man. And, of course, as uh, they stick it to the stick man. Stick it to Apple. Yeah, as they stick it to Apple and stick it to Google. Unfortunately, I find this next story here very interesting, and I'm actually tempted to go pick up the book to read a lot of this, though, is that uh, Reggie Fiumi says that Nintendo of America was forced to launch the Game Boy Micro. Uh, so Reggie Fiumi just published uh, his uh, new book, um, it's basically his memoirs of sorts, but it's called Disrupting the Game from the Bronx to the Top of Nintendo. Um, he goes on to say that uh, they were forced to launch here in America the Game Boy Micro in 2005 uh, due to a lack of alignment between the different parts of the business. So goes on here. This article from Video Games Chronicle summarizes it pretty well. Uh, he says the firm's U.S. arm was planning on closing out the Game Boy Advance line that year with a Black Friday promotion that would clear its remaining inventory. As GBA was in a state of decline, and Nintendo of America had switched its attention to making the recently launched Nintendo DS a success. But in early 2005, shortly after Nintendo of America had made its plans for the big GBA sale, he became aware of Nintendo Japan's plans to launch Game Boy Micro. So it's very interesting. Um... Because at that point in time where Reggie Fiumi was at, he was the executive vice president of sales and marketing. This was before he became um, this was before he became the uh, president of Nintendo of America. I believe that was around the time of the um, I believe that was around the time of the Wii launching. But even so, like. What do you think about that, Kyle? I mean, I remember seeing the Game Boy Micro. I think the Game Boy Micro mm-hmm. is kind of an interesting concept that is even smaller and still lets you play those Game Boy games, even though the DS supported Game Boy Advance games right out the bat. You know, it had the slot there at the bottom. So, right. like, did you happen to own one? Did you happen to play with one or anything? I wanted one really bad. I never owned one Um, when... When I had my time at GameStop, um, there was one other employee that he wore one around on his lanyard because he actually had one that he played uh, frequently on his lunch breaks and stuff. uh, And it was the one on his lanyard. And I don't know. I I thought they were a really cool system. The the problem, I think, or at least one of the problems I think they suffered uh, was the lack of advertising for the actual console mm-hmm. and the the fact that it didn't have as low of a price point as I thought it could have. How much was it actually going for when it launched? I mean, I'm looking it up now. I think when it launched, it was like $120 or something like that. 100 bucks. So you're, you're, you're pretty close bucks? to that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And- Seems like it was like 120 But yeah, that that's probably... It has to be right, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like I'm looking at this thing and and this really like I, I liked the idea of the Game Boy Micro, like you just said, and like I've said too, is that it is something that we wanted to get. But for someone who has like hands as big as ours anyway, this mm-hmm. really is something that may not just have worked out for us because of the size. I mean, like I'm looking at right. where my hands would wrap around. There's volume buttons that I'd be hitting right off the back of this. Like here, let me go ahead and flip over to this really quick oh i gotta change that around here uh where is it let's see there there and there so if i bring up the picture here of this from the wikipedia article behind um the uh the size of it yeah my hands would be running into the volume button all the time um if i was using the headphone jack for some reason you know my hand would be covering that up that wouldn't be easy to have headphones coming off of um it's just tiny it's it's small and it is small, but it is a unique thing, though. Like you said, you know, put it on your lander. You got a Game Boy going with you. Um, well, and, you know, even for as small as the screen is mm-hmm. because of the fact that it's so small, the the picture is so sharp on that thing. Like the 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 text is it's legible. It's really sharp. It's very crystal clear. And y- you have to have pretty decent vision or you know your your glasses have to be the right prescription but the, as far as like characters and stuff it it's sharp it it looks really nice 
Yeah, and I really remember that being the case especially because I had a hard time just as a kid wearing my glasses and everything too. So I mm-hmm. bet you that I, I understand that. Um, what I was reading here though, as you were talking as well, is it was talking about kind of the functionality of it. And this is the thing I didn't remember, but now as I'm reading through it, I'm like, oh God, I think this is maybe another reason why I avoided it is that um, what the Wikipedia article here says about it is that although it still had the required LR35902 processor and graphics hardware necessary to run games from older Game Boy systems, it lacks other internal hardware necessary for backwards compatibility. So right. it couldn't play Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. It wouldn't work with the Nintendo e-reader, which we knew that was a big and interesting thing that they developed um, back around that time with the original Game Boy Advance. So there's a lot of the there's a lot of it that just worked but didn't work. It was definitely focused on that just individual um, line of systems itself being the Game Boy Advance. So it's just, it's interesting to think that it was something when it came out here in the States that it was forced on Nintendo of America to proceed with. Well, and I, you know, in in the article, it does say that Reggie thought it was a non-starter. Um, but I, I think, you know, may, maybe it launched a little late in its time, and that's why I think that it, it was a little high for its price point. Maybe they, they could have launched it much later, you know, years down the line after Game Boy Advance was kind of off the wayside and uh, DS had already taken out the Game Boy Advance cartridge slot, um, and it would have been more successful then. It's hard to say, but as for a non-starter, I think for such a cool piece of tech that, you know, even today, they they go for upwards of, you know, 120 to 150 uh, sometimes is when I see them on eBay. And maybe I'm just seeing them on the high side, but... Now I want to look. I I don't know. It... I, I think they're they're a really cool device, and it, it definitely wasn't a non-starter. It was it was something that should have lasted a little longer. Oh yeah, I mean, I I think part of it though is that it ran counter to like what Reggie was saying from his book is that it ran counter because they were so focused on the DS, um, the Nintendo DS launch, and they were right. so focused on the retiring of the Game Boy Advance line with the Game Boy Advance SP that they, you know, they didn't see, like, why this thing was coming out. Like, what was this going to fulfill? Um, Right. So, I don't know. But, yeah, you are right, though, on the price. Um, There are some here as low as maybe, like, 140 bucks all the way up to, like, a uh, special edition Game Boy Micro that came out for Mario's 20th anniversary. Uh, That looks like the old Game & Watch color scheme. Uh, But... Yeah, it's wow. Yeah, and that goes for three hundred dollars though. Yeah, don't get me wrong; it looks pretty cool that way. But yeah, I just I don't know. It's a niche thing. It's a very interesting thing. I I hate to say it, I still do kind of want to pick one up and just have it, just to have. No, don't get me wrong. If if whenever showed up in my shop, I I would be oogling it pretty hardcore. You're just over there every day, just staring in the glass case, just looking down, just like. You're gonna be fine. Like, like, you're gonna be like uh, uh, you're gonna be like Wayne. Couple more Wayne's, days. Yeah, you're like Wayne in Wayne's world. Every time he goes in and looks at the same guitar, and then finally has the money to buy right. it. <laughs> oh god! Today's the day. Today's the day. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Do you take cash? Ching. Yeah. So right. uh, anyway, uh, so there's that about the um, about the gay boy micro. So if you have one and you like playing around with it, you know. Um, let us know what you actually think of it, though, in the comments, of course, here on the video or, uh, you know, out on social media. Say, hey, yeah, I think, you know, I, I have mine. I still mess around with it from time to time, you know, or no, I, I wish I had one or, or, you know, anything like that. Let us know your thoughts on it, though, too. But we move on here, though, to probably out of everything that happened this week, out of everything that happened that was big, everything that happened that was unique, um, and everything that's still going on right now with, like, the Xbox outage, um, this is just hilarious. Um, a modder happened to take a Fisher Price uh, video game controller toy and mod it 
to actually become a working controller while still maintaining the internal sounds for uh, like you'd find it on the shelf. And so for people who don't know exactly what I'm talking about here, let me go ahead and switch over to the um, uh, to the web page here or to Chrome here and bring this up. Fisher Price Xbox um, But yeah, he actually took the Fisher Price controller and modded it so that way, yes, it does work. And I I, I don't know, Kyle. Like it's it's I saw it and I'm like, I wonder if you could use that as a controller. And here we are. The guy figured out how to do it. Well, uh, yes, it and they they uh, from what I understand, it does lose some functionality, and you know, you you do have to use the switch that's on there for something. But um, I guess technically that it, it works. Yeah. By all means, it, it, it does actually work. Um, and yeah, yeah. Kudos for the engineering on that one. I think what's funny, though, is that we've seen all the videos of people like on Twitch where they are playing um, they're playing games using like uh, bananas or uh, like their own body, like wired in, you know, and it's like they, um, you know, like you hit this banana and this and this one's bound to like the A button. You go over here. This one's bound to moving around. You know, they, they right. do all those interesting things. And it's like, what the heck? You know, why, you know, it's like, why are you doing it like this other than just showing that it can be done? You know, is that it's just really it? You know, just the engineering feat for it. This, on the other hand, took a kid's toy that looks and, and you know, somewhat like a regular video game controller minus one analog stick. But he was able well, to... Well, and the, the the face buttons, which actually, like I said, he, he did show off it towards the end of the video, so... Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's hilarious to actually see that he, uh, um, you know, was able to play some of these games. Like, I think I saw on the list that he played, um, he played, he's played Elden Ring with it, which was there in the background. He played um, Rocket League with it. Uh, what was one of the other games here? Um, actually, it looks like those were the only couple. <coughs> so it, as as a, as a parent, you know, who kind of wishes that this toy was out at that time when the, the kids were you know, babies or even toddlers in that. Oh man. Now I just wish I, God, I wish they had one of those when they were out. And then it's like, I could just maybe do the same mod. Cause that's just funny. It's just, it's hilarious in that aspect is all that, you know, that it's been modified to actually act like a real controller, but right. I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's one of those unique things that we just don't really see much of anyway. So, um, with that, of course, though, that was a funny one, anyway, at least, or an interesting one to, to end the main content on. But, of course, we've got our last little bit here before we close out tonight, our news roundup quest markers here. So, Kyle, uh, we've got at least four there on the list to round up with, so uh, or wrap up with. So, what do we got? So, Battlefield 2042 could be making its way to Game Pass per XGP. Uh, that's one I actually hadn't heard anything on, so... You might have to enlighten me a little on that one. Yeah, so XGP actually discovered that FIFA 22 had shown up as something being available in Game Pass, or at least had something to do with Game Pass. And they went back and looked through again and found Battlefield 2042 actually showed up in the uh, Microsoft Store on the Xbox with a Game Pass tag on it. And whether or not that was Hmm. in error uh, is beyond anybody. But yeah, it looks like maybe it was tagged improperly you know so maybe it was just a little bit of a gaff or maybe it was tagged too soon so and that kind of makes me also wonder if yeah potentially maybe too soon or maybe it was during an update because of the fact that you can play it uh with the that 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 10 hour uh demo i believe is still actually available to anyone that hasn't actually done the the demo um Mm -hmm. through ea play so yeah, as far as I can see, it still is. Yeah. So, and anyone that has Xbox Game Pass does have the ability to get on EA Play. So, if you haven't checked it out and want to see uh, a broken shooter that that's slowly being, I think, fixed, check it out. <laughs> they only just added VoIP, so yes, it's getting there. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Um, what else we got? Continuing on though, Activision says Vanguard underperformed. Quote. Due to World War II setting, uh, 
end quote in an annual report while call of duty remains one of the most successful uh entertainment franchises of all time our 2021 premiere release didn't meet our expectations we believe prim- uh, primarily due to the, our own execution, the game's World War II settings didn't resonate with some of our community, and we didn't deliver as much innovation in the premier or premium game as we would have liked. Well, uh, that could be it, or maybe it's the fact that you're stretching all your employees to work on Warzone instead and making unrealistic guns in a world war two shooter or maybe that half of activision's devs are currently working right now on um on call of duty in general and that van right. was being made during the pandemic so maybe there's a lot else there to explain uh, you know a lot of other things out there to, that could explain what happened with it instead of you know um it being world yeah. war two setting because if that was the problem then battlefield five shouldn't have done as well as it did i know battlefield one was world war right. one but it's going back in time anyway to that stuff instead of being the regular modern combat or thinking like you know way forward in the future onto what it could look like so i would say this is probably oh and the other thing military is- shooter fans always chomp at the bit for any sort of shooter i mean regardless if it's True. you know modern day or historical so i think yeah the faux pas is really on them it's not on the 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 game type or whatever time era they arrived on for that game so maybe they should look internally a little bit next time maybe they should stop making a game every year right (laughs) maybe they should stop making a game every year and go back to the go back to the way that it was split up uh previously or um no you know what no forget it stop releasing every year do every other year yeah. And just keep working the content side of it. You'll be fine. I know we've got modern Give Warfare each of the two. games a two-year cycle. So, yeah. and we've got you know, them. you have the devs working and not mm-hmm. under crunch and not having to, to stumble to try and complete a game while working to get it to work cohesively with an online shooter that <laughs> is free to play for that no, matter. No, Kyle, no. Stop, stop, stop. You're talking too much sense. That, that makes I know. Too much sense, dude. No, come that's on. craziness. That might blow their minds. So just be careful. <laughs> be careful with that. But we got Modern Warfare Two uh, remake coming out here this year, which I'm excited to see. I'm very curious to see if they redo the the no Russian level with that one. But besides that, yeah, let's let's take a break on some Call of Duty stuff there anyway. But don't blame it on the right. Same. Blame it probably on some other development practices. But besides that, what else we got? 343 confirmed season two rollout for Halo Infinite multiplayer was pretty rocky. Promises, fixes, and changes. Well, we've kind of been a witness to that, haven't we? Yeah, with the bigger complaints talking about, um, I mean, the one that at least I know I experienced was progression in the current uh, event that focuses on Last Spartan Standing, where you if you use up all your lives and die you're able to exit the game without taking any sort of penalty to xp or completing challenges but it took me uh what was it i played i think three or four matches in a row of last spartan standing and had a challenge to do to uh play just two and it only logged one of the four and so it never completed it at all uh there's that um uh, there's some graphical stuff, but it's not necessarily anything that's like game breaking or game impacting for, for me at least. But what about you? Have you come I across think any some of the challenges? Kind of suck, honestly. Oh yeah, because last part in standing is a very interesting balance to it too. Yeah. So I also think as well, like one thing that hasn't been confirmed yet is it seems like the we knew that the mangler got a a nerf with the two shot mm-hmm. and melee instead of the one shot melee, but. We've also seen that it feels like the commando shoots faster, and it also oh, yeah. felt like the bulldog, the shotgun in this game, was more powerful, at least. It felt like there was more yeah. oomph to it than there was in the last season. And I don't know what necessarily changed, but it definitely felt like it got that without actually being in the patch notes. And then, of course, there's people complaining that there's, what, gun jamming as well, I think was what some of it said, too. 
Yeah, yeah. some I, I think there were reports, actually multiple reports of that, which seems bizarre. So mm-hmm. I like, don't know. Yeah, that's that is really weird. It's just something I don't think I can necessarily confirm, but it is an interesting one to hear if there's been enough reports out there. So I don't know. Yeah, I I just hope they fix a lot of the issues before we, you know, hit a mid-season point. Um mm-hmm. especially if it's planning to be as long of a season as the first season was. Yeah. So we can actually enjoy getting to level 100 and not having to uh slog our way through some of the challenges with some of these undesirable game modes or, you know, at least get some fixes for the game that, you know, it needs still yeah well i think one other thing too that we can say or probably on this one is that um with the season two update they added two new maps in and i still have not even played the second new map we've played the uh i know we've played the the new big team map um Mm -hmm. you have to forgive me i can't remember its name it's the it's the uh ship scrapping uh facility and then the other one i I have not had that come across in my playlist at all. So I have no yeah, idea what that level is like. I haven't either. No. So there is some stuff they need to adjust. And uh, part of it, though, is that 343 did issue an apology on it and gave every person, at least as long as you log in, up through May 15th, I think. So this next, uh, what is it, next Sunday, um, you will be able to get five X, double XP boosts and five uh challenge swaps so it's it's a nice little apology there especially as you're working through the battle pass and working through the progression to unlock some of the new stuff so that's pretty uh, neat, at I least guess yeah i yeah i mean it, it it depends on who you are i mean we'll get it done we'll get it done no problem yeah yeah but what's our uh <laughs> what else it looks like we got one last one on here for the quest markers today yeah and Apex Legends Mobile is dropping this month. Definitely one that I'm going to be checking out. Um, yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of like the mobile shooters. Um, even even playing on the touchscreen, kind of fun just to to pick up. A, you know, if you're you know out and about, you you have to wait for someone in the store or something, and you're just sitting in the car, or, you know, out on a bench, and you're just like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to hop in a match real quick. Oh, yeah. No, I like the idea of that, too. It feels more approachable to play it on a mobile device. Um, and I'm speaking from experience with things like PUBG Mobile and Call of Duty Mobile because right. I don't I don't believe they support like controller um, like uh, controller connectivity where you can actually hook put, like PUBG Mobile and Call of Duty Mobile up to say like a Bluetooth controller and play that way. I know that there are controller cases you can get for your phone that um, right. Use like the touch pads to go to the buttons and that, and then you can move things around just as you would on a controller. But um, it does feel a little bit more approachable compared to some of the chaos we end up running into when playing games like Apex Legends on PC or console, where everybody's just moving so damn fast. It's just sometimes harder to right. keep pace. So you are right. That is actually that that's going to be fun to see and fun to play. So I'll download that probably first thing, and we'll just have to probably do a duos match there and just see how well we actually fare in that first go. Around. Well, and I mean, you started uh Genshin on your phone before you even started playing on PC. So, Oh my God. And I don't even know if I have Genshin anymore on my phone. Do I even still have it here? Let me see. Yep. It's right there. I actually uninstalled it from my PC because I haven't played it oh. forever either, but it's just sitting on my phone, not doing anything. So we see how that one's going. I, I love the idea of mobile gaming. I, I, I think there's, uh, it, it's one of the biggest markets out there, and I think it's a missed mm-hmm. market for you know l- more game companies to that they they should be getting in on. Um, I know EA has their hands in it a little bit already, but and 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 so does Devolver and you know some of the other publishers. Right. But I, I yeah. think there's a lot more market there for for big AAA studios to put out some smaller titles on mobile that we could enjoy, you know, even a supplement to some of the big games that they put out. Or we end up just playing everything via Xbox cloud streaming. So there's also that. <laughs> True. There's also that. <laughs> uh, but it looks like that is it on the quest markers as well. Our little end of uh, uh, news roundup roundup. Um, 
just kind of throwing out there the little things that only need a little bit of a mention instead of a full section itself. So with that, that is everything then for this weekly news roundup, of course, for May 7th, 2022. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's news live stream. Of course, be sure to uh, catch this and all of our other news live streams as well here on our YouTube channel where we go live every Saturday night, 8 p.m. Mountain Time. Be sure to subscribe so that way when we do go live, you do get that notification. So you need to hit that notification bell because then you'll really get the notification. Uh, but also, of course, follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, at the NPC's podcast. And, of course, follow the podcast itself on your favorite podcast platform of choice or Go to our homepage, anchor.fm slash the-nbcs-podcast, and find the podcast platform that we are supported on that you might want to actually go ahead and pick up. Get us in your ear there, of course. Uh, new episodes every week as well. With that, everybody, that is it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We will catch you all in the next one. Laters.